Holy crap. <laughs> two weeks in a row. Dude, not only you being here two weeks in a row, it's holy crap, what the hell just happened for us in the OUA this last week? Man, it was a treat of a final week of regular season action. I'm super glad that I actually finally had some time to sit down and watch OUA football games from start to finish because not only did we have a crazy finish, with Carlton Guelph, with Waterloo Toronto, with Laurier Western. Man, it, it, even even Queens Ottawa, I know it was a low-scoring affair, but that game was really good too. It was just an incredible final week of OUA action, and I'm excited to sit here and talk to you about it today, tonight, I guess. Um, okay, well, let's start with that Guelph-Carlton game because not only did the Carlton Ravens lock themselves into the sixth seed, but they actually ended up kicking Guelph out of the postseason due to what was going on in the six, like with Waterloo making that miraculous comeback and Carlton having their own big comeback here, scoring in the last minute, two big touchdowns. Um, not only did they lock themselves, but Guelph is now done for the season, despite a really good effort from that young offense. Yeah, it really was. It really was. But I do want to start with, the we'll come back to Toronto Waterloo. That was a great game, but I, I really want to start here with Guelph Carlton because it was a rocky start for the Carlton Ravens. But, 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 but in the dying minutes of this game, like you mentioned, two crucial touchdowns with a minute left to go, with 25 seconds left in this game, they go three plays, 101 yards, 50 yard bomb from Lefebvre to Hakey. Hachey? Hachey? Hache, Hache. 50 yard bomb to Hache for a touchdown and the season. Man. Okay, here's here's my favorite part about this. If you look at the box score without knowing the score, Guelph, more first downs, more yards of offense, uh, more like way more rushing yards, over hundred more rushing yards. Uh, about the same in turnovers, about the same in penalties, time of possession. 37 minutes and 21 seconds to the Guelph Griffins. They controlled this thing for more than almost three quarters. Like they were coming close to getting 45 minutes of pure ball control. But when you have an offense like Carlton does with Lefebvre and Hache and Kasim and Hunter Brown and Tristan Reddy, they make plays downfield. It's going to happen. It's bound to happen. And it did, like you said, that last second touchdown to Hache. Um, 50 yards on the box score, 60 yards in real life. That play went five yards deep in the end zone. He threw it from five yards back from the line of scrimmage. So a 60-yard bomb from Tristan Lefebvre vaults the Carlton Ravens into that nice matchup with Windsor next week. That's going to be, I mean, we can't get too far ahead of ourselves, but that is going to be an exciting matchup for sure. But I just want to just stay on this game and not jump ahead. The resiliency, the poise, the drive and determination of Carlton in this one, because like we said off the top, they were they were in a tough spot to start this game, but it didn't matter. 
They knew the playoffs were on the line. They come out, they blow the doors off in the fourth, and they get it done. So shout out to Carlton. I don't I don't say that often. It it will hurt some of my my Gigi's heart to say that, but shout out to Carlton for getting it done. Um, shout out Alex Gale, young running back. Carl Carlton has really I mean, they've ran the ball, but not at a high clip this year, Connor. Alex Gale, 21-142 and a touchdown. The kid is line. explosive. And if that's the output they're going to get from the ground game, you know, Tristan LeFave didn't have a high completion percentage today. But if they're running the ball that well, and he can put up the yardage that we've seen him put up this season, Carlson's a scary team as we get into the quest for the cup. Uh, quick note on... Donovan Malloy, 192 yards and a touchdown. They really ran the piss out of the football. Uh, they didn't ask Tristan Abu to do too, too much. But at the same time, he did not have a whole lot of room to throw the ball. Five sacks coming from the Carlton Ravens defense. Yeah, man, and that's been something that we've said. Well, I know you've said that I've said at the start of the season, but it's been a theme for Carlton through and through this year is that defense – is aggressive. It's scary. Their pressure is is great. And, you know, yeah, whatever. They gave up 20, 25 plus points in this one. But they still showed up when it counted, where they needed it, when they needed it. And they they frustrated Tristan Abood in this game. They really did. Uh, okay, let's move to the game that rounded out our playoff seating. Waterloo and Toronto. Connor. Waterloo. <laughs> Two big touchdowns late in the game in the fourth quarter. Give them the lead, extend or bring it close, and then extend the lead. Um, I don't know what to say for the Varsity Blues. I mean, the offense looked a lot better with Scott Barnett down the stretch. He went 21-32, 207, couple touchdowns. They got almost 100 yards out of Lucas Stoikos. Um, this game was all varsity blues and then all warriors. And as it came down the stretch, it was a huge output from Nick Orr that really did it. Yeah. I mean, he had an incredible game, an incredible game from the quarterback position in this one. But before we do dive into the nitty gritty of this game, the, the player that I really want to shout out my MVP in this game for Waterloo has to be Cole Crossett. You know, we love our special teams here at CFP. But Cole Cross at the kicker for Waterloo. Listen to this, 43-yard field goal in the second quarter. Then he backs it up with a 24-yard field goal in the second quarterback or second quarter, excuse me, followed by a 35-yarder in the second quarter. We go to the third. He hits a 13-yarder and a rouge because it's Canadian football and we love those. And, yeah, man, it, like Cole 14 Cross in this points. one. 14 Waterloo points from the kicker. not in this game without Cross it kicking as well as he was. No, and I think uh... – for coach uh, Bertoya, taking points when they're allotted to you and when you have a chance to is huge. We see so many times people want to go for third downs and convert and push the envelope offensively. There's nothing wrong with using that kicker. And Waterloo hung around, hung around, hung around. Um, they didn't score a physical touchdown until that fourth quarter. It was all Cole Cross set. Um, getting them into this game and just kind of hanging around. They were completely accrediting this win to him. Uh, I think they have to almost, but uh, 
certainly a big day for the Warriors as their win. They got a little help, but it sets up the Battle of Waterloo in the playoffs. We always love getting extra matchups between Laurier and the Warriors, so we are excited for that one. Yeah, and again, I mean, as much as we want to keep looking ahead and looking forward, because that, that's going to be another great playoff matchup. We got to pump the brakes a little bit. We got to talk about this one still. Toronto, for the first quarter, or sorry, for the first half of this one, I thought they were in control. They go into the, mm-hmm. they go into, or they end the first half with a 14 to nine lead. It looked like they were playing really good football. Scott Barnett at quarterback, you know, he had a pretty good day 200 yards, two touchdowns. He was efficient. He was able to use his legs a little bit. And I, I thought on the ground as well, speaking of ground game for Toronto, like Lucas Stoikos went 13.96 in a touchdown. This, this was probably one of the most efficient we've seen Toronto actually run the ball this year, if I, if I may say so. But I really did think going into the second half of this game, Toronto was in the driver's seat. But like we said, it was just Waterloo hanging around, hanging around, and then they jumped at the right moments. Yeah, and uh... – for the varsity blues, obviously a tough season, but when you undergo a midseason quarterback change and really a change in identity for your program, because Kinsale is more of a run dominant QB, um, I think the offense showed a lot of poise in rebounding. Like they could have pitched a tent and said, All right, we'll see you next year. But uh they have some really aggressive receivers. Osin uh being one of them, caught another touchdown yesterday. But with Scott Barnett heading into his third year next year. They're going to be more aggressive, I think, with a full offseason of him as the guy getting to work with some of those receivers. Um, this team is set up for a better chance next year because of the way he played down the stretch. You have to feel confident in him. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I think, you know, despite the loss, despite obviously this is not the way you want to end your your season if you're a Varsity Blues fan, if you're a member of the Varsity Blues team. But looking at the way that Scott Burnett carried himself, like you're saying, like I, I think there is a lot to be excited for. There's a lot to build on with him. Uh, just an unfortunate ending to an otherwise like good start in the OUA for, for Barnett. All right. Are you ready for this? Because we're moving on to Windsor and York. 69 nothing for the Windsor Lancers. We won't take up too much time. A couple key stats here for you, Connor. The York Lions negative 13 yards of total offense windsor 625 kind of all you have to say which is crazy too it gets even crazier sorry i should say when you look at because you hear 600 yards and you're like oh my god they threw the out a day yeah <laughs> danny when you look at danny skelton 11 of 16 129 four touchdown passes but really didn't have to do that much because he's just finding his guys and letting them make plays. And then they brought in Nick Domovsky, eight of nine, 115, used his legs a little bit as well, but it was the backfield for the Windsor Lancers in this one that really took over as it has been at points throughout this season. Tons of guys going for big yardage in this one. Yeah. It was just a really consistent Output. I think everyone on the Windsor contributed, and rightfully so. I think Coach JP, um, you see a lot of times teams pile on to York, and you don't want to jump on here as well and pile on, but they did the right thing. They didn't let one guy go 
bell cow crazy. They 13 carries for Chris John, but seven for Joey Zorn. And then Mambo got four and Liam Talbot had a couple extra. So they and spread a return touchdown. <laughs> yeah. To close the game, but they, uh, they didn't pile on with one guy. They, they spread it out and it wasn't just, we know that Giovanni Cunningham is faster and more agile and elusive than the rest of your secondary. So we're just going to force feed in the ball. No, no, he only had five catches. He didn't even find the end zone. So, uh, Credit to Windsor for not really piling on late in the season, but for York, this is uh, a critical moment, I think, in the program itself. This is uh, this is a tough one to swallow as a season. Uh, I guess this game kind of sums up everything you went through, but there was no interceptions from the York quarterbacks this game. So credit to them. Uh, That's a positive. Uh, but there's been a season of very few. So they're, they're going to have to take a deep, hard look in the mirror and really reassess what they want to be as a franchise moving forward. And um, a lot of soul searching to do over the next eight months. As there always is in the offseason, no matter the outcome, no matter like when you get bounced from the playoffs, you get bounced from playoffs, it sucks. There's a lot of things that you have to retool, look at, continue to build on. But let's continue on with the next game of the weekend, the Ottawa GGs taking on the Queens Golden Gales. You look at this one, you look at the score, you're like, ah, this wasn't an exciting game. But then you watch the tape and you're like, damn, this was a really good football game. If you like ground games and defense, defenses – <laughs> You, you had a blast watching this game. 323 yards for Ottawa, 332 yards for the Gales. Most of that, for Queens anyways, most of that coming on the ground from the man, Jared Chisari, who set the – was it the – Jared Chisari set the all-time Queens rushing record with for 142 season, yards yeah. this week. What a – and guess what? Still no touchdowns. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that matters. When you're winning games and you're running the rock like he is, sure, yeah, he probably wants to find the end zone. But at the end of the day, I mean, they won the game. They're in the playoffs. He's contributing. He's driving this train. And you want to know what you take this one off to? Red zone interceptions. Uh, Dawson Matthews Reed had one. I believe Keegan Vanek had another one in the end Keegan zone, if Vanek, I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, he didn't get credited with it on the stat sheet. Maybe it's because it uh, it looks like it went to Jaden Kerr, but yeah. um, two key interceptions where your your offense, quite frankly, is not doing a huge output um, points wise. Your defense bent and then pushed way back all the way in the red zone. Um, Connor, is that repeatable next week? That's something I'll have to talk about and discuss with you as we go through and lead up to the rematch playoff game, which we now get um, between the GGs and the Gales. But red zone defense was huge. Salas Hubert came up huge again, another sack. I mean, it would have been terrifying to see him play a full season this year. Oh, yeah, man, absolutely. Salas Hubert uh, is an absolute menace. I'm sure Queens is very happy to have him as they approach the playoff season now. I'm interested to see what adjustments get made, what gets kept, what kind of gets thrown out as these two teams are going to rematch 
And if Omicar Polk comes back in. I think that would be huge because no Polk for Ottawa is uh, is definitely a detriment. He has been the driving force to this GG's offense all season long. And I think it was noticeable this week in the Ottawa Queens game when he wasn't in the backfield. All right. Do you like points in bunches? Because we have points in bunches in this last game. After going up 27 to nothing at the half, the Western Mustangs went down 28-27 after just the third quarter. And then we got a great race to the finish. Now, I will lead this off. Evan Hillock went down with a concussion. Jerome Rancourt came in and threw the game-winning touchdown uh, to Savon Magnet-Jones. He's a big kid, uh, Rancourt is. Uh, other major news for Western, Keon Edwards' broken ankle on his second touch of the game. It's tough. I mean, it's for someone that has been a staple in not only OUA football, but national semifinal stage and championship football, um, making his presence felt, Keon Edwards is not going to be with the team for the stretch run this year in what is his last year as a Mustang. I mean, it's absolutely gutting to see anyone end their career at the U Sports level that way, uh, especially someone with the prestige and success that Keon Edwards does. Yeah, no, that is uh that's a brutal, brutal loss for these Western Mustangs. I think it's going to be a challenge to overcome, but I think that they do have the pieces in place, the talent in place. I mean, when you look at the wide receiving core of this Western Mustangs offense, they were a lot to handle in this game against Laurier. Savon Magnet Jones was all over the field. Seth Robertson all over the field. Braden Missouri all over the field. Mosin Jamal, I know he, he only had 36 yards in this game, but on any given day, he can go for 90-plus, a couple touchdowns. It's not like we haven't seen that already this year. So they do have pieces in place. To I, as big a loss as Keon Edwards is, they have the athletes to, I think, overcome the adversity of this. Man, I am so sick and tired of Seth Robertson scoring touchdowns <laughs> and just looking so nonchalant about it. Uh, 31 like, oh, 190 zone, yards, eight freaking touchdowns, the league leader, uh, Mojamal Savon, right behind him at five, though. This. Western receiving core. I tweeted it out off the CFP account. They could not be caught at that point. Like they were running free. They were running way clear down the field. Um, and Laurie just hit a switch after the half. Quick score, punt, punt gets blocked. They put another score, and all of a sudden, momentum has swung all the way back in their favor. Now, what does this say about the future of these teams as we get further into playoffs? I'm not sure, but. Um, I do know that Evan Hillock needs to be on the field for this Western Mustangs team. Connor, once again, he had a high passer rating. Now, it's going to get docked because he had the two interceptions, um, but 25 of 36, 327, and two touchdowns, or I guess the one touchdown, uh, Jerome Rancourt had the other, but uh, for Evan Hillock, this game was all about him shredding Laurie in the first half, and all of a sudden Taylor Augersma coming out and saying, whoa, 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 hold on a second. 
I'm not done here, partner. I got this. And using his guys, Ethan Jordan, Raiden Thorne, didn't even have that much of an impact today. Um, Ojutaleo got a few catches too, but uh, it was the Ethan Jordan show, and Quentin Scott kept cruising away in the ground game. I will say for Western, no Keon Edwards, no Keanu Yazbek either dressing last week. They really struggled to get the ground game going. It was all on Hillock. Yeah, no, it, it really was. And just to kind of back up your point on the importance of Evan Hillock to this Western offense, when you look at the first half of this game, 27 points from the offense going into the second half, they blanked, like we talked about, they blanked Laurier, held them held them scoreless through the first two quarters. And then coming into the second half of this game, Laurier then shuts out, shuts out Western in the third quarter. And yeah, sure, like Rancourt through the, through the game winning touchdown, all good. But that was the only other offensive production from the Mustangs following the Hillock injury. So what Hillock means to this team, what it means when he's on the field, like it is a different Western team. And I think that was pretty evident in this game after he got injured and left the game. Like it was a different Western offense. It seemed like a more controllable Western offense from the Loria defense side when Evan Hillock comes out of this game. Yeah, and we don't know the extent of his concussion. Luckily, they do have the bye week, so if it is just a minor concussion, he could be back for their opening playoff game in two weeks. But the playoffs are now set. They are locked and loaded for this week. Connor, we are ready to go into the postseason. The quest for the Cup begins now. It is exciting. We are here for it all, and we will see you guys later on in the week.